Jesus, we lift your name high this morning across uh, this place, but across Sayul and Gippsland and the region, God, for all those tuning in online, we lift your name high all over, um, all over Gippsland this morning, and we thank you that you're a good God who makes a way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to church. It's so lovely to see you. Nice to see you here. Lovely to see you uh, on the stream online. Uh, However you're tuning in or even if you're tuning in later and you're watching this as a replay, we're so glad that you're joining us for church. Uh, We love to have you here with us. It feels like you're in the room. Hey, uh, I'm excited. This is the first time I've emceed since uh, since I became a mum. It's a bit exciting. Um, and can I tell you, I was telling the team this morning, uh, do you like my outfit today? Uh, it took me a while to choose it. <laughs> it took me a while to choose it because I hadn't been to church in the building for a while and I knew all of you on the stream were going to see me and just, I can't help myself, I want to look cool. And so I, I tried on, I reckon, I said seven, but it's probably more than that. I tried on many, many, many outfits this morning in preparation for being here in the building. Mind you, I have been watching church in my pyjamas. Uh, other than that, anyone else, please, uh, if you're on the stream, just let us know in the chat or in the comments. If you are in your pyjamas this morning, then um, I feel you. That's how I've been enjoying church recently as well. But I was thinking about uh, the way we put things on uh, to dress ourselves up and prepare for things. And so I want to dress well and feel prepared for church this morning as I'm in the building for the first time in a while. And I was thinking about as we come back to church, uh, what other things we're going to be trying to put on, other ways we're going to be trying to make ourselves look right for church, to be right church. And I want to encourage those of you in the building, particularly though those of you at home, uh, as we sort of begin the process of transitioning uh, the way church is done, again, how adaptable have we been? Again, we're changing the way that we're doing church and, and, and hopefully soon there'll be many more of us in the building. Can I encourage you that you don't need to put on anything special to be in the presence of God? You don't have to put on uh, any, any special thing to disguise anything about yourself. You don't need to try and hide who you are from God. Um, he doesn't care if you're in your pyjamas or in your cool corduroy coat. Uh, he doesn't mind. Uh, we are all welcome. That's one of our church values, that uh, South Baptist Church is a home for all. And so uh, whatever way you engage with church and with us, uh, let, let this be clear and loud from our leadership to you. Uh, you are welcome as part of the community of SBC and God welcomes you into his family. So amazing. That's my exciting thing. I've got announcements. Is everybody ready? Uh, You can always uh, keep up to date with what's happening in church life via the newsletter. You get that as an email. Or if you have the Church Centre app, which you should all have. You haven't looked at it in a while, uh, because I haven't looked at my uh, Planning Centre app in a while. If you you serve on teams, you know what Planning Centre is. I haven't looked at it in a while, and it had, like, downloaded itself to the cloud because I hadn't used it. (laughs) So if you've been a little bit disengaged from church life, can I encourage you, just check that that app is still on your phone. hit on it because things are going to be changing soon and you want to be um, aware of what's happening in church life on the Church Centre app. So you can check in and let us know that you're watching online. You can check in and let us know you're here in the building. If you're in the here in the building, you also need a QR code, you know, the drill. Uh, but we love, that's a great way for you to be engaged in church. People who are in my small group, very exciting. I'm going to send out a message this afternoon via the Church Centre app, because you can do that and you'll get a notification. So make sure that that app is downloaded on your phone so that you know everything that's happening and coming up in church life. Awesome? 
Very good. Uh, I'm going to pray, uh, and then the team's going to continue to lead us in worship. God, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good God who cares. We thank you that you're a God who is for us uh, and that you make a way. God, we thank you that we are welcome in your family and that uh, when the world tries to divide us, you will find ways to unite us. And so we just thank you that we are all your children and that you love us deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us when we were broken, that you have made us healed and whole. And we thank you more than anything that sin and the enemy has no hold on us now, thanks to your grace. That there are no chains binding us and holding us back, thanks to your grace. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, welcome to week three of our Winning the War in Your Mind. Uh, in week one, Brad was looking at how our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, with that idea of identifying um, the biggest stronghold that's holding you back and then naming the truth that demolishes that stronghold. In week two, so last week, Brad was talking about um, training the brain. It's a bit like training your body. It needs input and output. And there was that idea of filling your mind with the truth. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And that brings us to this week, where we talk about defeating negative thoughts. Um, and before I start, just a bit of a, you know, a disclaimer. We're not talking, as Brad said last week, we're not talking about if you have like a clinical anxiety or a clinical depression, which is something um, quite different to just negative thinking. And I don't, I wouldn't want anyone to hear as we go through this series that it's just a matter of, you know, get your thinking right and just do it and you'll be fine. Um, it's not like that. It, it is difficult and it is hard, but we want you to be assured that it can happen. Um, talking about defeating negative thoughts this morning, it can be done and you can do it. Now, I'm not a mental health professional. I've got, did a little bit of a counselling counseling qualification a few years back, um, but in no way am I an expert in um, mental health. But I was really excited when Brad gave me this opportunity to speak about negative thinking because at last I found something that I'm an expert in. I am an expert in negative thinking. I have had five decades of practice of negative thinking. So I speak this morning as an expert in this field. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So just before we start, I just want to think back to that first verse for a minute 
It says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And if we put that alongside a scripture like Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. God made us to be holistic beings with mind, body and spirit. So all those things influence each other. And today we're talking mostly about the mind, we're talking about the spirit, but don't forget your mind and your spirit don't exist in isolation, but there's an intimate connection with your body. And the basis of any um, good mental health always involves your physical being as well. It always involves appropriate diet, uh, appropriate sleep patterns, uh, appropriate exercise. So when we're thinking about these things, we're thinking about change and wanting to change, we need to look at our whole self. So with that said, let's have a look at defeating negative thoughts. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So renewing of the mind is more than just learning to think better, you know, changing your thought habits. Otherwise, you could just get a self-help book, read it through and you'd be fine. It contains a spiritual element where we seek to change our beliefs about life and about ourselves and align them with what God thinks about us. And we do that with his help. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we're asking God to reveal to us where we go wrong and we're learning to see ourselves as God sees us and to think about ourselves the way God thinks about us and let this become our reality. In Proverbs uh, chapter 23, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you are what you think you are. Or, probably more accurately, you make yourself what you think you are. You know what it's like. You can have everybody saying, what a great job you did with something, you know, loved it, it was fantastic. Um, Even this morning, I could step down from here this morning, everyone can come up and say, oh, that was great, Steve, and um, so I hope. But if I make a mistake, if I mess up this morning, no matter how much they say I did a good job, I will go home knowing I messed up. Or people can pump you up with you-can-do-it statements. You know, you can do it. Totally, you can do this thing. But if you know yourself and you think yourself, "I, I really can't, I can't do this, you're defeated before you even start. Tom Marshall, in his book Free Indeed, states, the mind is the strategic battleground of the universe. I love that statement. The mind is the strategic battleground of the universe. It's just so true. Satan tempted Jesus. He didn't hurl thunderbolts at him. He tempted him. It was in his mind. He did the same with Adam and Eve. He does the same to us. The mind is where our battlefield is. Our thought life is based on our beliefs. And from those beliefs come our feelings. And from those feelings come our actions or our behaviour. 
but it all starts in our mind. Epicletus, a Greek philosopher, um, he lived about the same time as Paul, he actually was converted to Christianity. He said, man is not disturbed by things, but by the view he takes of them. So he's saying man is not disturbed by the circumstances around him, he's disturbed by how he thinks about them. Um, John Milton, the author of Paradise Lost, wrote, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. It all happens in your mind. And what is going on in your mind? It is your self-talk, that internal monologue, that commentary, your observations about the world outside and how you feel about it. Um, I don't know how they measured this, but they reckon self-talk comes to you at about 500 words per minute. So you can think a lot of stuff and you can tell yourself a lot of stuff in a very short period of time. And this is why people can seem to go from zero to 100 emotionally when you're talking to them in the space of a couple of instants because of everything's going on in their head. Self-talk has a lot to say. And self-talk is not just talk about Oh, not just talk to self, it's talk about yourself as well. And more often than not, that that'll be negative or something critical. In our, our fallen human condition, living in a fallen world, it's left us with this natural tendency to assess life negatively. We have a negative bias. Um, we're always looking out for harm and danger to protect ourselves. Um, we mistrust as a, as a survival instinct, if you like. And we couple that with our default network, the default settings in our mind, those, as Brad was saying, those ruts that build up over time. Just like a computer has default settings, and if, if you don't set them, it'll just use those default settings over and over unless you specifically tell it to do something else. We're the same. So we have these default settings, we have this negative bias in our mind. So we tend to be able to think negatively without even trying. And you all know what that interior commentary is like. You know, you're talking to someone at a, a social occasion, you make a bit of a mistake, you say something stupid, uh, and then you feel like an idiot immediately. You know, the minute you make that mistake, your self-talk's off and running. So what did I just say? Oh, they must think I'm stupid. Why do I always mess it up? Like, I'm such a fool. Why can't I just hold a normal conversation? Everybody else can hold a conversation to somebody else. Oh, I'm such an idiot. And that just happens in a flash. So what generates that self-talk? It comes from your core beliefs. Now, beliefs can be they've got three stages. We've got public, they're the things that I'm happy to admit to anybody I believe in. I have my private beliefs, which is what I believe in, but I keep to myself. I'm not happy to share those beliefs. But then I have my core beliefs. My core beliefs are the fundamentals I base my life on. They're my truths, if you like. And it's from those core beliefs that self-talk comes. So let me give you a practical example, abseiling. Uh, my public belief, abseiling, perfectly safe, fun sport, go for it. My private belief is that you can't trust people 100%, you can't trust their equipment 100%. My core belief is that heights are dangerous and that 
I'm an unlucky person. And if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And it will go wrong for me. That's my core belief. So how do I feel about abseiling? I'm fearful of it. My behaviour, I would avoid it. Or I might be happy to say to others that I'm a competent adult. Yeah, I'm a grown-up. I can do this adulting thing. Privately, I might think to myself, I'm, I'm not that good at this. Like, you know, other people can do it pretty good, but I, you know, I'm not as good as other people. But my core belief might be, I'm a failure, I'm useless. I can't do this thing that everybody else can do. Everyone else seems to just effortlessly glide through being a grown-up, but I can't do it. So core beliefs are those deep-centred beliefs about yourself, about others and about the world and about God. And the emphasis here is on really deep-centred. They're the rock-bottom truths you live your life from. It's where you draw from and where you react from. And that's why sometimes we'll react in ways that surprise ourselves. We sort of go, where did that come from? And often that's a negative thing that we do. But we can overcome those core beliefs and we can change those core beliefs if we challenge them. That's the negative thinking. We can be challenged, it can be defeated. Um, I actually gave abseiling a go and I liked it. I thought it was really good. I would give it another go. Uh, and I actually think I'm a competent adult now, kind of. <laughs> so our thinking around those core beliefs, so it's core beliefs generate our self-talk. So our thinking around those core beliefs can be reduced to two types of thinking. It can be reduced to rational thinking, thinking that's appropriate, it's realistic, it's in accord with what the Bible says is true. And rational thinking says, I'm okay, I struggle with some stuff, but then everybody does sometimes. But God loves me, He forgives me. It's the truth. Or irrational thinking, which is basically just about anything else that goes on in our mind. Those things that tell you, I'm useless, I'm a failure, I can't do this. Um, other people can do it, I can't, I'm unlucky, I'm cursed. Uh, the enemy's lives, our negative thoughts. Um, so what is God's truth about us? What does the Bible say is true? It's things like we're loved unconditionally by God. We're precious and priceless in God's sight. I can be adopted into God's family as a son or daughter. I can be forgiven, justified, sanctified, an heir with Christ in God's family. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. God has a plan and a future for me. And on and on those truths go in the Bible. And these truths are facts. They're not a matter of how I see myself, they're a fact. In fact, they're still a fact when I think the total opposite about myself, they're still the truth. Irrational thinking is that thinking that builds up in your mind over the years and it comes from what others say about us or what we hear about ourselves, what we think about ourselves when we look at social media, what we think about ourselves when we look at advertising, what we hear from parents, what we hear from teachers, what we hear from friends, what we hear from workmates, bosses, that sort of mental picture we form of ourselves and we believe about ourselves. So what, does, what can irrational thinking look like? It can look like putting perceptions over facts, my opinion over what's actually true. A am I really an unlikable person? 
that's my opinion. Or the fact might be, I'm a shy person. I find it hard to make friends, so it takes me longer to make friends. Well, that's a fact. And very often, um, people are living their lives out of their opinions, not what's actually fact. Perfectionism. I should, I ought, I must. Now, if any of those statements are connected to something God is telling you, like, I should love others, uh, I must forgive, then they're a truth. But outside of that, they're this sign that you're trying to make yourself perfect. I should be the perfect parent. I I must be the perfect child. Um, I've got to be a perfect worker. I've got to be the best friend. I've got to, I must be a perfect Christian. I can't make mistakes. And that's just not reality. Uh, If only and what if, dwelling on the past, if only I hadn't done that, if only I hadn't quit that job, if only I hadn't moved, or the what if, oh, what if I left this and and moved, or what if I won a million dollars, or what if I get married next year? It's okay to learn from the past, and it's okay to plan for the future, but we live in the present, and the past and the future shouldn't dictate how you live your life now in the present. Um, Negative and positive thinking, uh, filtering, when you have an overly pessimistic view or an overly optimistic view. If you're one of these people, everything's a catastrophe and it's terrible and it's going to go bad and it's going to be horrible and it's just hopeless and it's just awful. Or whether you're one of these people who says, no, look, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's going to be good, it'll be great, it'll turn out fine, it'll be terrific. And sometimes as a Christian we get lulled into thinking that's what we should be saying and that's what we should be thinking. But it's not reality. Now, it's not a sin to admit that things are bad when things are bad, but you use that as a basis to um, pray from and to call out to God. And it's not a sin to pray for and hope for things to improve in the future. But you aren't God. Just because you say so does not make it so unless it's God's will. So just saying it'll be good is not reality. Um, Albert Ellis, who was a psychologist and psychoanalyst, he summed all that irrational thinking up. He had like a top 10 of false statements people would tell themselves and he reduced it down to a core three from all the people he dealt with. And there were these three statements that were false beliefs, false core beliefs. I must do well at all times. I must be perfect in all situations. I can't make a mistake. You have to treat me well and kindly. You have to, that's just a given. And conditions must be exactly the way I want them to be. Otherwise, I'm entitled to get depressed and I'm entitled to pity myself. You know, things should always turn out the way I expect them to turn out. So when any of those or all of those are your core beliefs, that's when I'm saying that my self-worth, what I think about myself, my self-worth equals my performance and what other people think about me. And it's not reality. And I know because... That's the way I used to live. 
I used to think that um, my self-worth was the equivalent of my performance and what others thought of me. So I couldn't stand the fact if others thought poorly of me. It would tear me up inside. I couldn't stand the fact if I made a mistake at work. I would just go to town on myself. Um, But it's not a reality. What is real and what is rational is that my self-worth equals God's opinion of me. That is the truth. That is what is real. And that is your anchor for defeating negative thinking. This is where we take our thoughts captive and hold them obedient to God's truth. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to that truth that your self-worth is what God says about you? Well, here are some steps. A great place to start is with Bible meditation and prayer. And it's like Brad was talking about last week. You allow the God, you allow God and the Holy Spirit to talk to you. And maybe start with a prayer like David did in Psalm 26. He says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Let God speak to you about your self-talk, about your core beliefs, the things you believe about yourself that dictate how you live. But then learn about and focus on what God says about you and what he promises you, what the truth is. In John chapter 8, Uh, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you have to discover what the truth is for it to set you free. As Brad said last week, fill your mind with the truth, write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And the next step is to accept responsibility to change. Be honest about yourself. It's okay. God knows everything about you. So you're not going to let him down. He knows already, but he wants you to know about you. In Romans chapter 12, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly, and I would add, just in my own little brackets, or more lowly. So do not think of yourselves more highly, than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. It's not good enough to say, oh, that's just the way I am, it's just my genetics, it's just the way my family is, the way my mum was, it's just me. Um, That's not, you can't do that, you're a new creation. In 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And you are changing daily. Remaining the same is not an option for a Christian. Also in 2 Corinthians, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not maybe... It's not perhaps you'll be the lucky one who gets transformed. You are being transformed. And you are the only person who's responsible for changing your thinking. And you're the only person able to do it. 
Uh, it's not your parents' job to change your thinking. It's not your spouse's job to change your thinking. It's your job to change your thinking. Even God won't change you unless you allow him to, unless you give him consent to. So you have to accept that responsibility to change. And then you need to challenge your thinking. Acknowledge the past, the painful feelings, times when you behave badly, the false beliefs you might have. We all have a past with regrets and those memories that make us cringe and wince when we think about them now, even now. I have ones from literally 50 years ago that if I think about now, I, you know, it just gives you that visceral reaction. Um, but the past is all a part of your story, but don't let it dictate how you live your life now. Don't let the past, your past, distort God's truth about you. So challenge your thinking. Dispute the beliefs that you have, that self-talk that comes up in your mind. There's four questions that, um, if you remember nothing else this morning, remember these four questions. So dispute those beliefs. Is it a fact? Is it actually a fact or is it just my opinion or my view? Or is it a fact, the truth? Is it nurturing me? Is it helping me grow? Uh, Is it good for me? Is it caring for me? Or is it tearing me down? Is it helping me meet my goals? Or is it just holding me back? If I keep that thought keeps popping into my head you won't be able to do it, you're not good enough, other people can do it, you can't, then you, it'll hold you back from reaching your goals. And is it helping my relationship with others? Or is it secretly undermining my relationship with others? So is it a fact? Is it nurturing me? Is it helping me meet my goals? Is it helping my relationship with others? Challenge those thoughts with those questions and then decide to embrace the right thinking, the right beliefs about yourself, God's truth. Remember the battlefield is all in your mind so that's where you need to fight and you ask God for help. Help to discern what the enemy's lies are. Help to see what the truth is. The truth about how God feels about you, who you really are. This is the hardest step of all, of deciding, right, this, this is what I'm going to accept, this is going to be my truth. But like anything that's difficult, the first times you're doing it, the first steps you take are always the hardest, but it gets easier over time. Um, like Brad was saying, with creating those new thought patterns, those new pathways, the more we do it, the easier and the clearer it gets. You create a new default setting for your mind. It's like taking your computer and saying, no, I don't want you to pick that printer that hasn't existed for the last five years, I want you to use my new printer. Every time I say print, new printer. You change that default setting. Let your self-worth be who God says you are, and nobody else. So one uh, important sort of caveat to close with, and it's like the old ad says, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. It can be hard and constant sort of work to challenge negative thinking and to change negative thinking. And some days you will slip back into your old habits and some days you won't feel like doing it because it's hard work. Um, 
And if you slip back into those old habits, it doesn't mean that you've sort of lost any ground. If I'm running a marathon and I fall over, I don't magically appear at the start again. I just get up where I am and I keep going. And there's, a, there's an actual thing called limbic lag. Your limbic system is where your feelings are generated, how you feel about stuff. So you can think in your thinking part of your brain, okay, you know, I know these things are wrong, I'm going to believe God's truth about myself, okay? I am worthy, I can do this, I am loved, I am forgiven. But it takes a little while for your feelings to catch up with that because your feelings will still be, no, you're pretty worthless, no, people haven't forgiven you, no, God doesn't really love you. So it takes a while for that feeling system to catch up. Um, But it will do it and you just... You have to start thinking that truth about yourself, even though it feels uncomfortable. And it'd be like, um, Lauren was saying about trying out outfits, it would be like putting on an outfit which you know is perfect for you, but you look in the mirror and you go, I look stupid in this. You know, everyone's going to laugh at me in this. But you know, you have written assurance that this is perfect for you this fits you like a glove it is the ultimate fashion experience for you but you you're thinking yourself I'm going to look silly that's limbic lag so think those truths about yourself even when they're uncomfortable the more you think them the more you live in that truth the more it will become natural and the more your feelings will start to accept that and you'll start to agree with them And we see that in the Bible, you see it with Moses and you see it with Gideon. God comes to them and say, you're my chosen one, you're a great warrior, you're a great leader, this is what I want you to do. And they say, it's not me, no way. Like they're arguing with God himself. So don't be surprised if when you decide to embrace what the truth is and you decide, no, I'm going to live out of that truth, that you don't feel it at first. You just do it even though you feel uncomfortable. The feelings will come later. And I can say that because I've lived that. Um, I know what it's like to live with negative thoughts. I know what it's like to have my self-worth be determined by my performance and other people's opinions. Um, I know what it's like to beat myself up about stuff and feel bad about myself. But I also know what it's like to go on that journey of thinking what the truth is, what God says about me. And thinking that and living with that, even though I'm uncomfortable with it, until I get to a point where I am comfortable with it and I do agree with God, finally. And I don't think that's an unusual thing. I don't think I'm an unusual person. I just think I'm human. I think it's the sort of thing we all experience. So if any of this has stirred up your mind, if you've identified with any of those false statements or types of negative thinking but for you the thought of change just seems overwhelming if you think no I you know I can't see myself changing then I would encourage you to find a good Christian counsellor a good counsellor will not tell you what to think but they'll help you challenge those negative thoughts Um, they'll help you discover the truth about who God says you are and they'll give you strategies to help keep you on track and once again I speak from experience counselling is probably at the same time one of the most difficult things I've done and one of the most 
rewarding things I've ever done in my life. If I had my way, I would make counselling available to everybody 100% because everybody would benefit from it. But even if you have a good, honest, godly, spiritually mature friend, they're someone who can help you challenge that negative thinking if you open up and share with them. And they can help you see what God's truth is about yourself. So defeating negative thinking is changing that thinking from letting your self-worth be what others say about you or what you think you can achieve to just letting your self-worth rest in what God says about you, what the truth is. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us like children. You don't expect us to be perfect that you are always ready to forgive and you're always ready to give us another chance and you're already always ready to help us and to teach us. Lord, I pray that you, you make us willing to learn, that you give us the courage to challenge these false beliefs and challenge this negative thinking. Lord, we don't want to conform to the enemy's lies about ourselves whether they come in the voices of what teachers said or what parents said, or whether they come in our own voice about the lies we believe about ourselves. But Lord, we want to be transformed. We want to be that new creation. So Lord, help us to be transformed. Help us to renew our minds, to defeat that negative thinking. And Lord, help us live as that new creation you created us to be. Lord, break those chains of the enemy's lies away from us and just let us live uh, a life of freedom and of joy as we know that we are worth what you say we are worth and nothing else. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.